I've been working as a journalist for just over a decade. And during that time, there is no story I've reported on which has exhausted and maddened me as much as the one we're dealing with today. I mean this quite literally. During the few weeks that I've spent researching this topic, I've felt at times that I was losing my mind. And we've given serious thought to the question of whether it is wise to report on this at all. Because you can't control the reception of a story. And for everyone who listens to this and understands it for what it is, my deepest fear is that there may be a tiny fraction of listeners who hear this and think, huh, maybe there's something in that after all. If that happens, then we've failed. Because what we're reporting on this week is nonsense. Sheer, unadulterated bollocks. But its impact is far from trivial. It has already proved murderously dangerous. On this week's show, we're exploring the global movement called QAnon, a web of conspiracy theories, fantasies and lies, which may have started in the head of a former tech journalist from Johannesburg and which has spread to the United States Congress and the White House. And we're looking at its growing hold on South African social media users too, many of whom may not even realize that they're playing into a vast and very perilous game. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger, the Daily Maverick podcast where we bring you the stories behind the stories. I'm Rebecca Davis. ago, something weird started happening on South African social media, on Twitter in particular. Suddenly there seemed to be reports of human trafficking popping up all over the country. Stories of children and young women being snatched off public streets by strangers. If Twitter was anything to go by, out of nowhere this crime had reached epidemic proportions in South Africa. And people tweeting about it tended to use a few hashtags in particular. Stop human trafficking was one, and save the children or save our children was another. It's hard to trace exactly what caused the sudden outpouring of South African concern, but one event definitely fueled the fire. On 10th September, a video went viral on social media showing a man apparently attempting to snatch a child from the veranda of a restaurant in Wurdapurt in Gauteng. You've probably seen it. The footage was incredibly dramatic showing this man suddenly jumping over the restaurant railing and lunging towards a small child before being tackled to the ground by the heroic restaurant owner. This all definitely happened. Police have confirmed it. But what has also come to light is that the perpetrator was a mentally ill man with drug problems who had escaped the custody of his parents earlier that afternoon. While social media immediately began to buzz with rumors that he was part of his human trafficking syndicate, His parents said he had no access to electronic devices, even a phone. Police said this was not an attempt at human trafficking. But since then, further claims of human trafficking incidents have reached fever pitch on local social media. Real media reports of kidnappings have been circulating, but these reports are almost always a couple of years old. The situation has escalated to the point where the South African Police Service issued an irate statement this week condemning, quote, the continued peddling of fake news related to human trafficking and or kidnapping of women and children, 
and the incessant promotion and distribution of such malicious untruths. The police also stated that some members of the public have, quote, taken to mainstream media with allegations of human trafficking and kidnapping, claiming to know victims or to have witnessed incidents personally. However, when police reach out to determine specific cases, incidents, or police stations for purposes of investigation, no such detail can be provided by the same people. In other words, there is no sudden epidemic of human trafficking in South Africa. It's just not real. But the sudden panic about this issue would not have surprised anyone who has been tracking the global spread of the movement known as QAnon. Those hashtags, Stop Human Trafficking, Save Our Children, they didn't originate organically from locals scared of crime. They've been used by the QAnon movement for over two years. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Borders of QAnon were out in full force at present. In the last few months, a bizarre conspiracy theory has taken root firmly on the fringes of the American right. Where we go one, we go all. Where we go one, we go all. These people are taking an oath to QAnon a mishmash of conspiracy theories, which holds Donald Trump as a savior of the world. And they hold some disturbing views. The pandemic wasn't real and the race war isn't real. It's creeping into the mainstream of political conversations. Just this past weekend, you know, Trump retweeted QAnon dozens of times. And it's tearing families apart. The person I knew as my mother is probably not coming back. That clip is from a BBC News report in July 2020. The BBC calls QAnon a bizarre conspiracy theory. Others refer to it as a digital cult. However you want to label it, one thing should not be up for debate. No part of it is based on fact. But if you have a friend or family member who is a Q believer or a member of the Q army, good luck trying to talk them out of it. To explain the particular online environment that gave birth to QAnon, I enlisted some help. My name is Tessa Knight, and I am a research assistant for the Digital Forensic Research Lab, also known as the DFI Lab, which is a think tank that is part of the Atlantic Council based in the US. We're a global team of researchers looking at disinformation and digital propaganda using open source investigative techniques. QAnon originated on the website 4chan in 2017, which was subsequently replaced by 8chan and more recently 8kun. Here's Tessa. Essentially, what these sites are is a messenger board. So if you think of it as a message board that is in a public park, and it's, it's separated into different sections like politics or maybe another one is human. Anybody who walks past can write something on that message board. They can write some sort of political commentary or they can post a note in the humor section. And anybody else who walks past can then write in a comment or they can make a new post. And unless the original poster or the commenter signs their name, you don't actually know who wrote them. So the anonymity of these sites are their primary appeal. And for a number of years, users have appeared on these sites claiming to be people leaking information anonymously from important U.S. institutions. In 2017, one popped up called QAnon. Q 
queue refers to top-level security clearance within the US government. Since then, the queue character has posted semi-regular messages on these boards, making cryptic predictions about things about to happen in US or global politics. They are always wrong, by the way. His first ever prediction was that Hillary Clinton was to be arrested and extradited the following day. Around this anonymous character and his nonsense messages, the bizarre QAnon cult has taken root. Their beliefs are actually not particularly original. They're a kind of fetid web of recycled old conspiracy theories, many of which are extremely anti-Semitic and were popularized in Nazi Germany. Jews run the world, Jews are pedophiles. Other strands are reminiscent of the rantings of veteran British conspiracy theorist David Icke. A secret cabal has control of the world. They may or may not be lizards. The so-called mainstream media is part of that cabal and cannot be trusted. The atmosphere of global fear and uncertainty sparked by the COVID-19 pandemic has caused this movement to explode in recent months, paired with the fact that so many people have been stuck at home with nothing better to do than explore the crazier parts of the internet. QAnon followers believe that COVID-19 is not real. They refer to the plandemic or scamdemic, and they see it as part of the cabal's nefarious aim to bring about a new world order with no borders and one central government. If you wear a mask, you're one of the sheeple blindly following authorities into this terrible future. And the only man who can save the world? US President Donald Trump. At a press conference in August, Trump was asked about QAnon. Here's a clip from the briefing from NBC News. During the pandemic, uh, the QAnon movement has been, appears to be gaining a lot of followers. Can you talk about what you think about that and what you have to say to people who are following this movement right now? Well, I don't know much about the movement other than I understand they like me very much, uh, which I appreciate. At the crux of the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Or well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? If this all sounds very much like an American phenomenon to you, you're partly right. As you can imagine, the far right in America has leapt on all this with abandon, and the movement is way more popular in the US than it is anywhere else. But there's one man who has done more than almost anyone else to popularize the QAnon campaign, and he's not American. Here he can be heard at the beginning of a 2019 interview. So you're in Johannesburg? Yeah, Johannesburg, South Africa. Yeah. I have friends who go to South Africa. They like it quite a bit. They, they rave about it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's an amazing country. Well, it was an amazing country. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, in tr we're, yeah, we're in trouble at the moment. I understand. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't follow it, but I see blips of it crossing my radar, and it looks like a horrendous, horrendous thing. I mean, you've got like this, this exodus of white people going to Russia, you know. Yeah, crazy. Georgia, Russia. Yeah. It, it's very sad because people have worked very hard for 25 years to make it work. But now that the government has failed so horribly, they're pulling out the race card and they're saying, oh, well, whites are racist, which is absolute nonsense. So, well, yeah, we're, I think we're headed for a civil war. I don't see any other way out of it. That is a South African man who lives in Johannesburg called Paul Ferber. We asked Paul if he would agree to be interviewed for this podcast. 
He replied he doesn't talk to the media. Which is kind of funny, because Paul used to be in the media. He was a tech journalist for a bunch of respected local publications. Paul has been identified by media outlets in the US as one of three people who worked tirelessly to bring the bigoted, half-baked theories of QAnon to an audience beyond the 4chan message board. In Paul's case, that meant giving an interview to the wildly popular fake news hub Infowars in 2017. An interview in which he said that QAnon's messages amounted to the most important leaking of information in the history of the world. WikiLeaks, eat your heart out. It was Paul Ferber who owned the only message board on which QAnon would initially post. Paul Ferber, who claimed he alone in the world, was privy to private messages from the great oracle Q. And Paul Ferber, who had a unique ability to decode Q's cryptic public messages. Now, obviously, this makes very little sense. Why would a person leaking information from the very top of the United States government choose some random dude in Joburg as his number one trusted confidant? Which is why, ladies and gentlemen, many people believe that Paul Ferber invented Q that Paul was the original person posting messages as QAnon, although it's likely that many other people have since posed as Q, and that Paul effectively created the preeminent global conspiracy theory of our time, QAnon. Paul denies this, of course, but even the man interviewing him in that clip you heard earlier, a man who is a fellow Q disciple, comes to the conclusion that, quote, Mr. Ferber's mastery of historical conspiracy theory makes him a strong contender for the true identity of Q. In fact, it makes him the most likely contender. You may be listening to this thinking, why should I care? There are crazy people all over the internet. How is this different? Well, it's different because of the scale of this movement, its growing political power and its deadly effects. QAnon has been identified by the FBI as a domestic terror threat. Its adherents have been linked to kidnappings and murders. In a 2018 incident, a heavily armed man in an armored truck blocked a bridge over the Hoover Dam in Nevada and made demands based on a QAnon post. Donald Trump and his family members have on several occasions tweeted QAnon posts and videos. There are 77 candidates running for the U.S. Congress who have indicated support for QAnon. And there are currently reports that in the southern states of the US in particular, QAnon theories are increasingly influencing the media, which is concerning. But as a South African, you have nothing to be worried about, right? QAnon in South Africa is definitely growing. It's certainly not the behemoth that it is in the US or in other parts of the world, but it is growing in South Africa. We can see, if we have a look at Google Trends for the last 12 months, there has been a marked increase in searches for QAnon, which does relate to the growth of the actual movement. But it is interesting to see that South Africans are definitely interested in QAnon, finding out what it is, how to get involved, or really just trying to figure out what the WWG1WGA means, because it's not overly self-explanatory. <laughs> That's Tessa again from the DFR Lab. 
That thing she said about WWG1WGA, it's something you'll often see in the Twitter bios of QAnon supporters or used as a hashtag. And it stands for where we go one, we go all. It's a kind of rallying cry for the QAnon movement. Back to Tessa. It seems that the province that's most interested in QAnon is the Western Cape and then followed closely by the Eastern Cape. So those are the two provinces that are searching for Q, QAnon, Q Army, or where we go one, we go all. So obviously that doesn't necessarily mean that there's a huge number of Q supporters within those provinces. And one has to take into account, you know, internet access and things like that. But certainly the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape are the most interested in searching for Q online. Bottom line, QAnon isn't yet visible here in the way it is in the States, but it's definitely growing. Tessa says that's very evident from social media. There is a number of groups that have been created this year, and there's more and more people who seem to be joining these groups within the last few months. If we have a look on Twitter, there is more South African accounts that are referencing QAnon or hashtag Q, Q Army. And there's a couple of dedicated Q within South Africa Twitter accounts that promote Donald Trump or will link out to Q drops. And a couple more of those accounts are becoming prevalent, will have become prevalent this year. I've been monitoring these local QAnon groups on Facebook and Telegram for the last few weeks. We reached out to the people who seemed to be prominent in these groups and asked if they'd speak to us, but they all declined on account of the mainstream media and the cabal and the pedophiles and the lizards and the rest of it. To be a local QAnon believer seems quite scary because South Africa is such a wild place that you can find evidence for pretty much anything wherever you look. There was recently an attack on horses in Port Elizabeth by protesting stable staff. To the QAnon crew, that was a dark portent. Parts of the old Potchefstroom rail station burnt down recently. That too was greeted as evidence of impending doom. But what really got their juices flowing, the human trafficking stuff I started this episode by discussing. Like I said earlier, the hashtags you'll have seen all over local social media recently, stop human trafficking, save our children, those are QAnon hashtags. The whole idea of human trafficking is literally the bread and butter of the QAnon movement. That's because one of their central beliefs is that the cabal, the politicians, the business leaders, the celebrities, are stealing women and children in order to harvest from their bodies a little-known compound called adrenochrome. Someone close to be may be connected to the disappearance and murder of countless children, most of them refugees or otherwise disadvantaged, all untraceable, all forgettable, and now all dead. He told me about a drug called adrenochrome that could produce a high beyond any other. And unlike those other drugs, there are no ill effects. Quite the contrary. There are substantial benefits from consuming it. Greater health, increased vivacity, and a host of other, smaller effects. Combine those with an intense sense of euphoria and you have a substantial demand. The issue is this. It is a derivative of the chemicals produced by the human body when it is under intense, immeasurable fear. I truly cannot find a polite way to describe this theory other than utter bullshit. But to the millions of adherents of QAnon worldwide, 
This nonsense is gospel. When celebrities posted slightly bedraggled photos of themselves online during the COVID-19 lockdown, they were inundated with comments accusing them of being in adrenochrome withdrawal. And here's a fascinating local twist. On the South African QAnon groups I've been monitoring for a while, there have been suggestions that adrenochrome harvesting may be the real motive behind farm murders. Here's the thing. QAnon may not yet be a visible force in South Africa, but there are signs everywhere that that's going to change. In early September, there was a march called Move One Million, which saw South Africans take to the streets against corruption. There were people marching in Cape Town holding Q posters and placards with a Q logo and messages about human trafficking. Now, I'm no Q, but my prediction is that you can expect to see a lot more of that and a lot more of local social media users unwittingly getting sucked into online campaigns expressing the insane preoccupations of the QAnon movement. A country like South Africa, roiling with social tension, packed with desperate, fearful people looking for someone to blame, that's about the most fertile ground that QAnon could ever hope for. Don't Shoot the Messenger is a podcast brought to you by The Daily Maverick. This episode was produced by Haji Mohamed Dauji with sound engineering, editing and support by Bernard Kotzer, Tevye Turok Shapiro and Catherine Kotzer. You can listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on The Daily Maverick's website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For more, subscribe to The Daily Maverick's newsletters and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.